My name is Ben Hyatt, and this is the Ministry Moments Podcast. When it comes to Christians deciding what entertainment we should or should not consume, a commonly cited Bible verse is Philippians 4.8, where Paul commands believers to set their minds on things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. However, the reality of life in a broken world means that we will all inevitably have to face the reality of our own brokenness, as well as the brokenness of others. Does focusing our gaze on the goodness of God and His righteous commands, then, mean that we must favor movies and TV shows that ignore the often complicated reality of living in a fallen world? Or can stories with complicated, imperfect characters in realistic, complex situations serve not only as sober reminders of the fallenness of this world, but also as a compelling pointer to the importance of righteousness and of our need for salvation from our brokenness? These are questions that I've thought about a lot when it comes to my own intake of movies and TV shows. And to answer them, I've invited Sean O'Connor, an assistant professor for digital media here at Cedarville University, to be on the podcast today. Professor O'Connor, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. The first thing I'd like to ask you um, is just for you to give some background on yourself for the listeners. Um, those of you who don't, those of the listeners who don't know you, um, what is your background in film, and what made you want to go into film and study it in the first place? Sure. I'll start with the second question. So, as uh, for me, film production, video production started out basically just as a hobby in middle school and, and high school. Got to use that skill uh, in some extracurricular activities and with my church youth group doing some fun skits and promotional videos for church and things like that. And um, in uh, in college, I, I went to a school in Kentucky called Asbury University to study uh, film, uh, and the Lord kind of turned that into a uh, more of a calling for me and not just you know a hobby or something to use for fun or something to use for my own success kind of pointed me towards um using those skills in a non-profit setting and in a faith-based setting doing a video in that context and um really enjoyed that got to do that as a um full-time freelance videographer for a while doing uh, some video work for christian missionary alliance and uh truth for life with alistair beck in cleveland and and some other organizations uh and so that's been my experience primarily uh, with with video production. I also had the privilege of working on a few uh, film sets as a production assistant, and that's been very helpful experience. Um, would love to do that more in the future, and and um, yeah, grow in that area. Hmm. What exactly were your responsibilities on set on those projects? Sure. So the production assistant is sort of the lowest on the totem pole of responsibility or, or, or positions on a film set so that we're the ones blocking traffic and getting coffee for people and um, passing out paperwork and things like that um, which sounds maybe uh, menial but uh, I really value the work and I know the crews do as well production assistance can be very helpful and um, I really look forward to to the point where Many of our uh, students here at Cedarville are, are getting their first experiences on a set in that context so they can work their way up from there and build relationships and network. Um, it'd be, be great. As a college student, I definitely understand the value of first experiences um, in professional settings. Um, and I think that's really cool that you're able to do that. Um, I'd like to 
focus in on film. Um, there's a few different aspects of it that I'd like to talk about. Um, but the first major one is film as a means of telling a story. Uh, I was actually looking you up before this interview, and I was able to find your thesis sure. that you wrote at Asbury. Um, and in that thesis, you quote someone named Robert McKee. Right. Um, he wrote what I think is a pretty prominent book um, among filmmakers, at least screenwriters. It's called Story, Substance, Structure, Style, and the Principles of Screenwriting. Um, and in it, one of the quotes that you included in your thesis was this. He says, as our faith in traditional ideologies diminishes, we turn to the source we still believe in, the art of story. I think what he's getting at is, in our modern context, the power of story and the effect it can have on people, the way they view the world, the way they perceive themselves and others, um, and the way that that power at least in our modern context, can often affect people more than maybe an ideology, um, a sermon, or a speech about principles would. Um, so my first question is kind of just more generally about storytelling. But why do you think storytelling is such a powerful way to communicate truth, so much so that it has overtaken maybe more traditional means of conveying truth um, in recent years? Sure, and I, I think you... you um hinted at it in your in your question the idea that story is sort of an the 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 allegorical nature of story i think appeals to us because rather than being told a lesson or instruction just as is we're told let me show you you know how how this instruction plays out so we we get those lessons and those morals from plot and characters and seeing how characters encounter certain conflicts which uh, and, and they have to make certain choices which yield certain results. You know, it's it, that those those lessons are kind of demonstrated for us rather than just simply talked at us. You know what I mean? Which I think is a big reason why um, Jesus spent a significant portion of his ministry teaching in parables and not simply instruction. And so, um, you know, he t he tells the parable, for instance, of the Good Samaritan, and instead of just saying. You should care for your neighbor and who who is your neighbor he demonstrates that by saying how this man is is beaten and he's ignored by these people and then a samaritan walks by and does the right thing and he leaves the audience and he even poses the question to that pharisee like who's like who's the neighbor in this story and and you know we as the listener or reader or viewer um have to think of the implications of that for ourselves and we're challenged to acknowledge ourselves what's the right thing to do. So I think that that allegorical nature really, I think, appeals to us and always will. Hmm. I think two things I take away from what you just said is, one, showing is often so much more powerful than telling. Um, showing a character live out a principle um, is much more convincing to showing why the listener or the viewer um, should follow that principle as well. And then the second thing I got from that was um, the level of, I wouldn't say ambiguity, but the level of where at the end of a story, the person who, the listener or the viewer, is challenged to think through what the point was. And I think a lot of times with Jesus, we can get to the point, and he doesn't make that unclear, but he made his listeners and he made makes us um, he phrases his parables and tells them in a way that we have to engage with them and we have to interact with them. And I think 
both those aspects of showing rather than telling as well as letting your audience think through the ending as opposed to just saying oh here's the point here's the message he um, says he who has ears to hear let him hear and those who do listen exactly mm, yeah i think both those can, uh, translate to filmmaking um would you agree absolutely absolutely um and uh, kind of to your point of film specifically as a means of storytelling i think um a way a reason why it appeals to me and probably many others is that it's it's several different art forms combined into one so you have acting which is you know a theatrical um element and a visual aspect of you know how we see you know two-dimensional art or painting or photography um and there's a musical aspect to it and it just encompasses all these things to kind of immerse us really in a new world and a new perspective um and it's really, for me, it's a, it's one of the most realistic and engaging ways to retell a story, you know, visually and orally and in real time. And you're you're in the perspective and the point of view of these characters. Um, so that's what it means to me. I love it. So I'd like to transition now into specifically Christian films. Sure. Um, there are a lot of films, and I think they've become more prominent and more common as of the last decade or so um films that are labeled christian films because they have a christian message there's explicitly stuff about faith about jesus um, about the bible and there's a message conveyed they're made by christian people um so my first question kind of gets at the very phrase christian film um because for me i've always thought it's strange that we label films that um, purport a christian view as Christian, but then we don't label other films that have maybe other religions or philosophies or worldviews influencing them by their worldview. For example, Star Wars isn't commonly labeled as a, a quasi-Buddhist film, even though a lot of elements of the universe of Star Wars kind of borrow from a Buddhist worldview. Um, there are many films there that are... There's no come to Buddha moment in Star Wars. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, I get what yeah. you mean, yeah. Um, there's also movies where I feel like there's a very heavy-handed, materialistic worldview, um, but we don't label those as atheistic or materialistic. Um, so my first major question would be, why is there a subgenre that's called Christian films? Um, and I guess the follow-up to that would be, is that a good thing, that there is a subgenre for Christian films? It's a good question. And I want to start off by saying, to your point, in that it's, it's really grown over the last 10 years, in my um, studying of, of that particular um, genre or niche market, I guess you could call it, of, of what Christian film means, um, in graduate school, as you probably I mentioned this in my thesis, I, I did a lot of research on that. And it's not that it's new. Like, it's been present for literally 100 years. Like, churches and, and independent filmmakers have experimented with using cinema to use that maybe in place of a sermon for church settings and, and specifically Christian audiences or use them as outreach tools. Mm. Um, Billy Graham's company, Worldwide Pictures, did that for a long time and to a lot of acclaim back in the 60s or 70s, for example. Mm. I think a big reason why it seems maybe so new or like booming now in the last 10 years is because in 2004, The Passion of the Christ made about $600 million worldwide and a lot of people... Um, 
took notice of that and and used it to say, okay, there is an audience and they will come if the content's there. So companies like Fox and Sony and Lionsgate, they have started very intentionally um, acquiring content that is kind of built for that market. I, I think the fact that it exists, though, probably has to do maybe with a marketability factor, I would say. Um, and maybe maybe this is just my view, but like I, I would say the same thing for the Christian music industry or the Christian radio, for example. You may, If you're not a Christian, you can turn on a station like that and you get safe for the whole family, wholesome, family friendly. And there is a there is a very excuse me. There is a very marketable factor in that and as well as inspirational, encouraging, heartwarming. Um, and unfortunately, that means that not only are some of these so-called Christian films not necessarily like entirely biblical, I would mm. make the case. Um, but a lot of times, and I've unfortunately seen this firsthand, they're not always made by Christians. I mean, some sometimes there's that influence, but um, sometimes the heads of some of those films just say, okay, it's an audience, so we will make back our money if we make a film like this. Um, I would love to see that change. I would love to be part of that change, and I would love Cedarville students to be part of that change as well. But um, anyway, the fact that it exists, I, I don't personally, I'm not against the Christian film industry. Just I, I think for me personally, it has to do with the fact that um, it's kind of wearing wearing our heart on our sleeve, to, so, so to speak, so that somebody watched, we, we market a film that's specifically under a Christian name, like, you know, Pure Flicks or Providence Films, and you say, okay, that's def that is what this message is, and they're being transparent about it, and um, that's honest or sincere. Um, I appreciate that. I, I can understand why that works. Um, unfortunately, I think we're still in a, in, a, in a state where some of those films just don't have the budget or crew or storytelling to really excel and and um in terms of like quality really match up to a lot of other standards and i think it will take time but i do want to be part of that change again hmm. i have a lot of questions that came yeah. to my mind while you were talking and i'm trying to sort through them um i think one that kind of touches on what you said near the end of that um was when it comes to the quality of storytelling that you see in christian films um not to bash on Christian films. Um, there are some where I think the you can tell that there are people behind the film who care about trying to tell a good story with characters that make sense. Um, but I think something I see quite commonly in Christian films, and you see it in secular films as well, is a emphasis on message over plot and characters. Um, there's an emphasis on we have to make sure people in the audience understand what the message we're trying to convey through this story is so much so that it almost ends up being hitting the audience over the head with the message. Um, and in addition, writing characters whose actions and words and thoughts don't necessarily make sense. I think not to point out specific movies, but I think a few examples I can think of is in God's not dead. Um, the two atheist characters in that movie, the professor and the journalist, um, and I don't want to spoil God's Not Dead for anyone who hasn't seen it, but basically near the end of the movie, the two atheist people go through 
some suffering. They, um, things don't turn out well for them, and they both end up having a good moment out of that. But then you see all of the Christian people, life going well for them. So from that, I get a message of, if I'm a Christian, therefore life will go well for me. Um, so there's not only uh, hitting the hitting the audience over the head with the message, but sometimes there are messages where I wonder, is that even biblical? Um, but getting back to the point, I kind of want to sure. rabbit trail yeah. there. Uh, do you think that the emphasis of message over character is an inherently bad thing for storytelling? Because I feel like a lot of Christian filmmakers have good intentions in that they want to get a message out there and I don't fault them for that intention. But I guess my question is, is there a way to really write a good story if you're only starting with the message and then crafting the plot and characters around that? Or does there need to be some sense of letting the story unfold as you're writing it? Yeah. Um, I think, first off, Christian films and any film and any filmmaker, yeah. there there is a message. Whether we want it to acknowledge it or whether we want it there or not, there's just always going to be a message. Um, and, you know, because of how the characters experience the world and the choices that they make, we are implying a message that if you do this, you will do this. Um, and that's what, I, I mean, Stanley D. Williams writes about this. He calls it the moral premise where, you know, positive moral choice yields positive result. Opposite moral choice yields negative result. I mean, heroes and villains, it's it's there. Um the thing is, I think, and this goes for anyone, the message is best conveyed through who the characters are and what they do, not just what they have to say. And so I have no problem with, you know, including a message in any film. I frankly encourage it. And I want my students especially to say, you know, okay, you're making a short film. What do you want to say with this? And if you don't have anything to say, you won't. You know what I mean? Um, but it also has to be designed for the medium in which you're communicating the message. And so, I mean, with with film or video, which is primarily a very visual sensory medium, to just have people talking the plot at you, so to speak, that's not what the medium was designed to do. Um, a sermon is designed to do that. A movie is not. Am I missing anything? <laughs> I don't think so, yeah. Okay. Um, I think because um, another part of that book by Robert McKee that you quote yes. in your thesis is where he says story is a metaphor for life. Right. And then he goes on to say we have only one responsibility as storytellers uh, to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. So I think every story has a point, at least every good story, I would think. It has a point, even if the point is there is no point. That's still a, a message that sure. um, there isn't a purpose in that story. Um, so I think... And if I can add to, yeah. I think the um, the tendency for me, and this maybe is, is my view, and I've kind of found myself doing this, trying to construct and, and write and that kind of thing with so-called faith-based film. Our standard for, especially for me, I, I see this in writing because if, if it's if it doesn't if it's in the screenplay, it'll show up in in the film. You know what I mean? If it's in, if, if it's in the script from day one, um, that forwardness of a message and, and kind of um, proselytizing. Um, if it's there, it will be there in the film. But I think we, I tend to use as the standard for how to write those sermons rather than scripture. Scripture 
even even those who don't believe it's God's word maybe can acknowledge it is a great work of literature and there is it's very intense I mean it's poetic and it's it's got a great narrative and there's there is instruction in that book and um, I think the tendency for me is to treat my work not with the literary literary quality of scripture but the literary quality of a sermon which takes God's word and explains it clearly rather than God's word being living and active as it says and just speaking for itself so that we can read it and then on our own interpret it discuss it learn through it um and so i mean you see a lot of these films and again this is not exclusive to this market of film a lot of a lot of films have this problem especially when they're dealing with these smaller budgets or rush for time or things like that it's just a bunch of people in rooms talking to each other about what they're doing maybe what god's doing and it's all talk and no action which is again it's not what film was designed to do, and there's no there's no subtext or implications that the audience can decipher for themselves. You know what I mean? And I, mm. I disagree with that, basically, not just because it's not what film's made for, but because Jesus didn't do that. Like, I mean, again, as we said, you know, he, yeah. he told the story and said, if you want to understand this, follow me, listen to me. And his disciples did, and he explained those things to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Part of what I took away from that is it sounds like Christian filmmakers, and this goes for any filmmaker who starts with a message and is basically trying to make that message as clear as possible without subtext. It's almost like those filmmakers are trying to convey that message in the form of like a sermon or a speech. With film, the words, the script is only one element of telling that story so a complete reliance on like dialogue to get your point across is not only well it's missing the point of what film is is that you're combining so many different mediums you have the visual side of film you have the musical side like you were saying Um, you're able to show characters doing things instead of just having them talk about it it's a very it goes so much beyond just the words and the dialogue and having characters say things and I think from what you were saying, it sounds like that's something that maybe Christian filmmakers can use to improve their storytelling abilities is to focus on making use of those other ways in which a message is conveyed, the other ways in which stuff is conveyed in a film. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You hit it on the head. And unfortunately it's, it's a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a constant thing just to watch these films and say, that's bad storytelling. We need better storytelling. But like, if we don't understand what better storytelling is, we're not going anywhere. And so, like, that's what I really hope for um, for myself, but also for my students here at Cedarville, so that we can understand. Okay, how does structure work? What are the what are the certain you know what's the beginning, middle, and end of a story supposed to be, and the, the key events that we need to to, to hit. And um, through that, rather than just having a bunch of speeches throughout a movie, that is how you demonstrate your lesson rather than through words. Because frankly, I mean, when film was invented, there were several decades when you really couldn't use words and you had no choice but to use visuals. And I think along the way, we probably just lost that. So it's hard to do, but it's essential. But it is hard to do. Are there any particular films, this is kind of a random question, but are there any particular films, Christian or secular, um, where you'd say are good examples 
of stuff like that, showing rather than telling, um, using the full scope of film's power instead of just relying on dialogue to get a point across. Is there any example that comes to mind for you? Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, I, several. I think I, I should, going back to, I think I mentioned Worldwide Pictures earlier, I really admire a lot of their work, and I would hope at some point to be able to introduce that to some of Cedarville students. But like in the 1970s, for example, there's this company, Billy Graham and his team had been had working on a lot of films and, and even incorporating Billy Graham crusades into some of the content of those films. It was, it was really interesting work. And then at some point they said, creating solely fiction films is only effective or, or um, does what we want it to do to a certain extent. And so they started um, creating biographical stories. So the, mm. they took uh, Corey Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place, made that into a film. Um, Johnny Erickson Tata's story, they made a film about that where she actually played herself. And uh, wow. it was really, really interesting. And a lot of this, this work was not only acclaimed by a lot of people who weren't Christians, frankly, but it was also just really great work. And I think, I've, I, and that's what struck me in, in the last five years. It's something that I've really been passionate about. It's about using true stories to demonstrate Christian themes, principles, that kind of thing. Um, because on the, on the one hand, it's, there's no refuting the true story. There's no refuting somebody's personal testimony of what God did in their life. Um, and, but the other thing is to see that demonstrated through their actions and through their circumstances is filmic and it's cinematic and it's it works on that level as well. So if you haven't seen those films, I, I wonder if they're at the Centennial Library. I kind of doubt it, but mm. I would love to change that at some point. Yeah. We'll see. They sound interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, if you could get all the current Christian filmmakers in a room and give them one piece of advice uh, that they would presumably follow, um, what would it be? I think we've touched on a lot of different aspects, but if you could summarize, like, what's one thing you'd want to improve about that industry, about the way filmmakers choose to make those films, what do you think it, you would say? Great question. There are a lot of selfish and superficial things that I think I could say, but probably the most valuable, and I mean this in all seriousness, read the Bible. Hmm. Um, because that needs to be the foundation of where all our stories and themes as well as our storytelling comes from. I remember being in, in at Asbury as, as a, I think it was a junior in my undergrad experience, and there's Asbury University, and then across the street is Asbury Theological Seminary. And I went across the street one day for their chapel because Bill and Gloria Gaither were coming to um, sing a little bit and then and give um, give an interview. And something Gloria in particular said that was really striking to me um, was she's kind of deconstructing some of David's psalms a little bit. And the idea that David doesn't just say positive things like God is this, God is, you know, I love God. You know, it's, it's not just superficially positive. It's kind of explaining not only his, a lot of times, depression, but also ultimately how he knows God is real. God loves him. God is there for him, that kind of thing. How do you know that he's, that he's real? And that's a question that any follower of Jesus needs to ask. 
um, because, you know, as we read in Scripture, we need to give a defense for the hope that we have. But also, um, again, with film, you have a premise, now demonstrate it. Don't just say, God loves me, God will bless me. Say, how do you know? And that's how, uh, that, that is what needs to get demonstrated through the story and the plot and characters. So, again, it comes from a biblical foundation. We can't, we can't tell any great stories well. Um, if we're followers of Jesus, unless we understand that clearly. Amen. I'd like to shift over now more to the viewers, uh, audience. Um, I think it's not inaccurate to say that probably most of the people listening to this podcast regularly watch either TV shows or movies. Sure. Uh, it's film and the visual media is such a big part of our lives now. Um, and I think scripture gives us some principles to live by when it comes to discerning what films and TV shows would be good and beneficial for us to watch and enjoy and take in and which ones would maybe be wiser to avoid. Um, I'd just like to talk to you through a few of those with you and see what your opinions are because I honestly have some thoughts and also some questions just about where the lines are and how we can be discerning in that. Um, so I think the first verse that comes to mind for me is Philippians 4.8, where Paul talks about focusing our minds on what is good and true and lovely and pure and commendable. And I think in a lot of Christian films, um, you can see a tendency for that principle to be taken. And because of that, stories to be simplified, characters to be simplified, almost a whitewashing of reality to be simpler than it actually is because we don't want to necessarily address situations where the right answer isn't immediately clear situations where maybe there isn't a simple action a character can take to fix them um so i guess the gist of my question is um it, what role do cautionary tale films play in the christian's life because there are films where characters don't make the right choices um, where they have problems, where the answer isn't as simple as them, you know, committing their life to Jesus, and then that problem goes away. It doesn't mean that, you know, Jesus isn't the ultimate answer, but a lot of times there are situations in real life, and I think films present those, where solving and working through them is a process, and sometimes characters don't actually do that well. Um, so I think the criticism can be brought up of, oh, well, we don't want to have bad examples in characters. We don't have characters we can admire and characters we can follow. But I think if you look at the Old Testament, and those are true stories, so, I mean, there's a level where, where it happens, so it has to be that way. But humanity so often, um, humans so often fall into, uh, because of the brokenness of the world and because of our sinfulness, make the wrong choice. And there are natural consequences, and I think those stories are in the Old Testament to speak to the truth of the brokenness of the world and to point to our need for a Savior. Um, so I guess... That going back to the question I kind of asked and then went on this rabbit trail before, uh, do you think there's a role in the Christian life for films with characters who maybe don't make the right choices? Maybe they don't. The film doesn't end with them finding the redemption they're looking for, and those stories could be beneficial for us in showing us the sober reality of the broken world we live in. Um, do you think those films are valuable? And yeah, what's your opinion on that? Sure. In in a word, so basically, I. I I agree with you. That's a good question. And the the only way that I know to really determine that for myself is to say, okay, 
is that in scripture? Again, you know, you need to go constantly be going back and say, okay, is this, is that the cautionary tale? Is that a form of storytelling in scripture? And as you said, and as I absolutely agree with you, the answer is absolutely mm-hmm. yes. So I'm going through uh, the Bible um, in a year, like the whole Bible. And so right now I'm in Exodus. And so I've read about um, Reuben, Israel's son, who sinned and did not get the blessing. Um, I know I'm about to read about Moses and the end of his life and how that wasn't all perfect because of some things that he did. Um, but then also, I mean, some of Jesus' parables were also, they would also fit into that category. I think immediately of the story of the rich man and Lazarus, where you see um, both of them gone and, and passed away, but the rich man is burning in, in hell and, and needing you know, wanting, uh, what does he ask for, for water to touch the tip of his tongue? Yeah. And it just can't because of the chasm between them. So, I mean, cautionary tale. So Jesus said it. And so I've said, okay, there is value in that form of storytelling. Um, it's not always, again, marketable, but it's probably more beneficial than a lot than a story that wraps everything up nicely in a bow. Um, but again, it's very hard to do. Um, but I've, I've seen it done well. Uh, I mean, a lot of my favorite movies, I mean, I, I, over the weekend, saw the movie Amadeus, hmm. um, which is a, a movie about uh, Mozart, the composer, and also about Salieri, a composer who was said to have killed him or hated him and, when he, they were alive. And um, that I would, I would consider a cautionary tale of how, how envy kind of destroys us. And then the antithesis of that, of forgiveness and, and humility. So there, absolutely there's value there. Um, we also need to be careful, I think, of just... of um, setting that worldview up and that premise up through again story and plot and characters and subtext i mean it's it's hard but absolutely it's valuable Hmm. where do you think the line then is between um a movie that's showing the natural consequences of someone's mistakes and then a movie that's instead of doing that more just trivializing bad behavior maybe playing it for laughs or almost endorsing that behavior um because i feel like there it can be a difficult line to tread sometimes it's like oh is this movie showing me that this is a something i shouldn't do or is it leaving and i don't think it's bad to leave that question up to the audience sometimes sure. to make them think like oh is that something that i would think would be morally justifiable and then i think those films can be valuable because then they can cause us to think and then we can go to scripture and see what it says and that's always a good thing um but i guess where is that line between a cautionary tale and then a tale that's just showing people doing bad things and almost endorsing or at least maybe leaving ambiguity in a bad way. Sure. Um, that is a fine line, and it always brings to mind an example that I've told some of my students about, and I'll never forget, when I saw a movie about seven years ago called Django Unchained. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. Yes. So it's um, a, a slave is freed and basically goes with this guy to basically assassinate slave owners and, and it's a very violent movie um anyway the first first scene of that movie i knew i kind of knew what i was getting into when <laughs> the, that that christoph waltz's character the the uh, assassin frees Django and um and the other slaves that are on the uh, that, are, that are with him and he shoots their slave owner and tells the slaves okay you can either take this guy to um the medic to get help or go on your merry way and be free. And of course, they choose the latter, but that not before you know shooting the slave owner. Mm. So uh, ultimately, uh, immediately there is this 
message of revenge is sweet, and if you don't want revenge, the alternative is just stupid and, and foolish. Hmm. And the movie never really asks that moral question ever again. It's just kind of straightforward revenge, revenge, revenge. And um, there's no, there are no characters around these protagonists to tell them, is this morally wrong? You know, it's not really anything like that. And, you know, there's no, and, and not just characters saying those things, but kind of demonstrating the antithesis of that, you know, of grace or mercy or things like that. Because, again, it comes down to not just what character says, but what they do. Um, and for me, watching that in the theater, and then at some point halfway through, looking in the theater and seeing in the front row a couple, like, middle school-aged boys sitting by themselves watching this thing, I'm like, this is not the worldview that I, that I want to see, but I also don't want them to see that, too. Yeah. Just because, again, it's, I think, because, because there's no thesis antithesis kind of questioning you know what is what is revenge and, and it it becomes exploitation to me hmm. and kind of endorsing something that's not scriptural and that is kind of where i draw the line and um i, I mean it, it, i think the, the the line comes when you acknowledge that that kind of behavior is wrong and you show the antithesis of, of what's what is the opposite and maybe what's the more positive moral choice it's not to say that you know a movie can't try to have its cake and eat it too i mean you get that a lot too but yeah absolutely a fine line and i think because of that there are a lot of movies that you know i you know like that that i kind of i have to reject i just i can't because it's not biblical and it's not as far as i'm concerned it's not great storytelling either so but that's a debate for another day yeah uh there's another verse that i when i was thinking of principles that we could try to apply to this um, it's Proverbs 4.23, and it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Um, so now I'd like to transition more to the flip side, kind of what we were talking about. Instead of movies where characters make the wrong decision, and maybe there's a message in their, um, message in their maybe brokenness, movies that present examples of people living out biblical values, and mo uh, movies that show the importance of righteous living the importance of grace of forgiveness of godly values um, one movie that comes to mind for me and my friends listening to this will probably laugh when i say this because they know i like this movie a lot is spider-man 2 um, by sure. sam raimi sure. toby Maguire, spider-man i feel like that movie presents a message that you don't see in a lot of action films which is heroism sometimes requires giving up the thing that makes you happy um, in order to do what's right and sometimes we're called to give up the thing we'd want to do uh, to serve a greater good um, to serve a higher uh, calling um, so i appreciate the movie a lot because it gives that message and it's a message that has helped me in my own life and i think even in my own faith journey uh, seeing that example played out even though there's no explicit mention of the bible or jesus or christianity in that film I would make the same argument about the about the Dark Knight, frankly. I mean, the same kind of, um, yeah, essentially, Batman becomes this Christ figure who has to sacrifice his his uh, reputation in a way, and a lot of you know Rachel and things he's loved and people he's loved in order to um, take the fall for this other person's sin. I mean, that 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 kind of thing's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another movie I really like a lot. Yeah. Which I mean, that's not a hot take, I guess, but um, it's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, 
but I guess my question there is, um, I think I see in myself the tendency when a movie has a message where I'm like, that's really cool and that's biblical and that's Christian to almost want to do that with all the messages of a movie. And I feel like a lot of movies, as, um, you know, made by non-Christians, um, made by Hollywood are going to have a mixed bag. They're going to maybe promote some values where it's like, that's something I can agree with. And then some values that are unbiblical. Like you might have a character who's being heroic and self-sacrificing, but also maybe when it comes to sexual Im- immorality or, um, you know, just sins like lying or pride, um, violence, I think is a common thing where you have a character who's being heroic, but also just straight up murdering people. Sure, absolutely. Um, I guess my question in that is how do we sort through when watching a film those values that we can take away and say those are good and I want those to be cultivated in my own life and not because of that take in the values that maybe would be unbiblical not see those unbiblical values as okay just because a movie is supporting some biblical values as parts of its story great question and again I think what it comes down to you can't call a movie or a movie's message unbiblical unless you know what the Bible says so again it means spending time more frankly in god's word more than you spend watching movies i've been guilty of doing the opposite of that and that's something that i need to change frankly in my life um but as simple as that we have to know the bible and we have to know we have to be able to recognize because of that knowledge and our understanding how we've hidden that word in our heart what's what is pure and what's not um sometimes i would say there are even I've seen a lot of examples of non-Christian filmmakers who will unknowingly convey biblical messages, whether maybe they recognize it or not. Um, I don't know if you saw a movie called Uncut Gems this past couple of months. I want to. Um, yeah. Very interesting and very vulgar, frankly, film about this um, jeweler in, in New York. Um, that, to me, spoke Luke 12, Jesus' parable of, of the... Um, the man who stored up all these treasures and all this wealth for himself instead of giving it to other people, and then he was told, tonight your life will be demanded of you, you fool. You know, That kind of thing happens a lot, but it only happens if we know the Bible. Hmm. Um, and that means we, we need to know the Bible, and then we need to be willing to um, discern what we see and also dialogue with others about what we're seeing and maybe what we believe. Um, and it's an interesting... That, to me, is an interesting example. I mean, it happens all the time. Like, non-Christian filmmakers made some of, some of the greatest faith-based films you could call them of all time. Chariots of Fire was made by non-Christians. Mm. Um, uh, what's some other ones recently? I mean, there's there, there are a lot of um, Catholic filmmakers. Martin Scorsese has a more Catholic background. And so you see faith in his films a lot, especially his, his last two. Silence. Um, yes, Silence, The very, Irishman. They have yeah. very... Um, Christian and specifically um, Catholic um, uh, undertones implications to them, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but it, it goes to show you, as, as Ecclesiastes says, he, God has set eternity in the hearts of men, mm. and we can't really identify that unless we know the Bible. So that has to come first. I don't know if that answered your question. No, I think that's, that's um, a good principle to have, and I sure. think that's part of why film can be valuable is it's a way to engage with issues and people and characters and to make us think about the world. So then we go to th- the scripture, we go to the Bible to find answers, to find um, ways to interpret the 
life situation they're the experience we just witnessed on screen and to try to figure out how to feel about it so i think in that way films can be valuable to the christian because they push you to think and i think those are the best films the films that move me the most and that i want to watch the most are the ones that make me think and i it, it recalls to me the story is it is it it's philip isn't it in the book of acts who finds the eunuch reading i believe the, so the prophets and he he goes to him and says what do you do you understand what you're reading and the eunuch says how can i understand unless somebody explains it to me so mm. it's not just you know we can't keep these to ourselves we need to be in dialogue and we're we're talking on a day where um our chapel speaker kind of uh, affirmed this for us and reminded us of this i think uh, that was really great of how we need to engage the culture and and be be build relationships and explain um humbly and respectfully what we believe and and how and demonstrate that in our lives the same way we want our characters in our stories to demonstrate our themes rather than just saying them um that's key we can't do this in a bubble Hmm. well uh, we're reaching the end of our time Mm -hmm. um but i'd like to finish with something kind of fun since we're talking about movies sure um first of all what would you say is your favorite film genre if you had to pick one i really don't know if i have one i i I mean, guess I guess just you know. I I mean again, I've been getting more into like biographical dramas recently in the last several years with with uh, especially you know, stories of faith, and um, I like telling them. I like telling them even on a small scale, like for some of the promotional videos I do. Mm. Um, but those really appeal to me. Documentaries really appeal to me. Um, so, but I I basically, if a movie's good, I will watch it. And also, you have to discern, you know, is it is it beneficial in terms of content and, and worldview and things like that? But if it's good, I'll, I'll watch it. Definitely. Uh, would you say you have a favorite director? Um, it doesn't need to be like your absolute favorite. Sure. If you have that, that's good. But like maybe a director that stands out to you as particularly interesting in their films. I love what Christopher Nolan does. I, um, it's funny. His new movie is coming out the weekend I get married. And so I'm going to, ha- I, I, Dang. I hope I can see it, but <laughs> my wife, my wife needs me first, but I'm, I'm so excited. I, I think his, his films are not only innovative and entertaining, but a lot of them have, um, Christian themes, whether again, whether or not he recognizes that there's, there are Christ figures and elements of, of sacrifice in, in a lot of his films. And I, and, um, regret and forgiveness anyway mm. a, another discussion for another day but I, I love what he's doing i love what terrence malick for the most part is doing he had a film this past year called a hidden life which was kind of a return to form for him yeah i want to see which that. is another um i i believe his background he has a faith background he does and I, I and i don't remember exactly what it is i probably put it about wrote it was about in, in the my thesis, thesis. Yeah, yeah yeah but um it, he he um deals with a lot of those those themes in, in films like that and tree of life and, and days of heaven and um thin red line mm. um that's a really good example i think of, of a filmmaker that really tackles those themes within the medium of of cinema mm. i really appreciate that okay uh do you have a favorite actor or actress i guess if i had to pick one actor i was looking um before i got here like are there any actors whose work i've consistently seen over the last several years and i guess i'd have to say ryan gosling hmm. i love the blade runner sequel la la land and drive and a bunch of other films he's i i i like him um and i've seen most of his work um but not all of it but yeah if i had to pick one that'd be him yeah and then finally um favorite movie within the last year that came out that you saw and just thought this is really good yeah it's funny i i 
put together a list. I do every year, and mm-hmm. I write down what my my top ten or twenty are. And The Irishman was number one. I think mm. Irishman is a great. I think because because of thematically what it's doing in terms of talk a story about moral mortality and regret and remorse um, and just the scale of it. I think it's a great film. But it's funny. I've watched that movie once. I've watched 1917 three times already. Mm. So like it's that has. I still think The Irishman is a better film thematically, but 1917 has more of a rewatchability factor for me. So it's it's weird how it works, but those are the two that really I mean, stuck out in my mind. Plus, The Irishman is like three and a half hours long, so yes. rewatchability yeah. on that alone is Absolutely, kind yeah. of a challenge. Yeah, and I had I, I saw it in the theater, so I there was no Netflix pausing for me. I sat through the whole thing. I had to definitely had to go to the bathroom at the end of it, but it was, it was worth it. It was good. Brave so. soul, a brave <laughs> yeah. soul. Well, uh, that's all the questions I have, so thank you for coming on the podcast today, Professor O'Connor. Thanks, Ben.